People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. Hello, Brothers Talk family, and we're glad that you're with us again, and we're glad to be with you. If it's your first-timer, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to keeping you in the mix, and hopefully you'll spread the word. There's good news on the vaccination front that the COVID-19 infection rates are going down with the mandates on vaccination in spite of the stupid folks who are campaigning against them. Seems like for most folks, money talks, and they realize that employers have the right to fire. And if you're willing to give that job up, that's absolutely your right also. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Norm. Hey, family. Thank you for your continued support. And like Rod said, there there are signs and indication that the uh, pandemic is slowing down, but we still got to be vigilant. Don't stop wearing those masks when you're in public places, close in close people, and you still need those of you who are not vaccinated, you need to get vaccinated. And first and foremost, go out there and support black businesses. Norm? Thanks, Scott. And I just want to follow up by stating 90% of the people that are dying from COVID still are not vaccinated. So it's still happening. It's still out there. It's still hurting our communities. We need to come together. And if you care about Black on Black love, this is one way to support it. Rod? As we resume our series on Black relationships, our guest is twice married, Gen X male and Black father, Timothy Smith. Tim was born in Phoenix, Arizona and raised in California. He served in the military as a soldier in communications. He's a human rights activist. He's a Lincoln University in Missouri graduate in political science. And he also studied criminal justice, military science, among many other subjects. So welcome to the Brothers Talk. And Tim, please say hello to our family. Hello, everyone. Absolutely glad to have you in the mix today, Tim. So we'll jump right into it. So what do you see as the biggest obstacle to Black relationships? There's actually a couple of things. But one of the main things, I think most men match energy with their counterparts. And when they do that, they lose respect in their counterparts' eyes, if that makes any sense. If she go off, you go off. That's not a good thing. Somebody in the situation has to remain cognizant and communicate. But if you're responding to stimulus the same way that she will respond to stimulus, that's a problem right then, and it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. You said there were two things. Yes. So that's number one. And then number two is uh, I would venture to say that uh, we don't actively we don't actively manage how we engage or how we want our relationship to go or how we select someone to be in a relationship with. We don't ask the right questions. Oftentimes we look at uh, the physical attributes of that particular woman or that, that person, but we don't think about 
can I handle being with somebody uh, in that in that in that lane? You know, it's like all of us would probably love to date Janet Jackson, but there's a lot to come with that. So you kind of understand, you know, what kind of woman can you, you know, responsibly be in a relationship with, you know, outside of whatever you know physical attributes or whatever they're being attracted to her. Okay, so Tim, um, in uh, in the intro, Rod mentioned that you were um, uh, twice divorcee. In 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 your previous relationship, uh, I'm pretty sure you kind of thought about both those relationships. Did you think about what it was? It, what is it that you could have done? Do you think there's anything that you could have done to save both or either of those relationships? Well, the first relationship, I was young, very young. I was probably twenty. First marriage, it lasted about 11 months. Um, later found out, you know, that we went through the premarital counseling, the whole nine yards, found out after the fact that the clergy that married us didn't feel like she was ready to be married, yet he did it anyway. Now, he said I was perfectly fine, so, but there was a lot of little odd end things that happened along the way that just was in room with what I was willing to tolerate in a relationship. And then I was a little more high-strung and more finite with my patience to deal with foolishness, so I cut it off at the knee. Now, in the second go-round, and I did 20 years at the second marriage, and there were some things that I had to eat in order to be in a relationship uh, for that long with that person, because during the first marriage, I lost a lot of time with my oldest daughter, you know, due to career and, and, and pursuits and miscellaneous and, you know, the conniving parts of what happens when a couple breaks up. So the second go-round, uh, I made a conscious effort to say, okay, regardless of what happened, I'm going to be here for these babies that are created, and I don't want to have a bunch of baby mamas all over the place. So I put a restrictive, you know, situation in place for myself and had to attenuate, you know, what I was feeling in the circumstance uh, in order to make sure that it wasn't about me. It's about the babies I created with this person and stepping outside of that, you know, find out what was important. So I put the kids ahead of how I was feeling personally with the relationship and the circumstance. Interesting. So once I got my feel, I, I left that alone. <laughs> so, okay, this is where you get off. And, that, you know, I, I cut it off at that point. What kind of advice would you give to a young man thinking of get, about getting married in today's environment? Well, here's the thing. If, if I have to give that advice, now, number one thing, don't start anything you can't continue. Don't accept things uh, that you know that you really don't like. You know, I'm not saying that person's going to be perfect, but there's some things that might get on your nerves uh, and ain't going to do nothing but amplify later on in the relationship. And then number three, if you're not getting what you want that person before you get married, you're not going to get it after. So whether if, if she's not doing certain things sexually before the marriage, she's not going to start doing them magically after she gets married. It's not going to happen. You're going to be hard-pressed, far and few between, it's going to frustrate you, and you're going to feel cheated in life. So whatever you, your expectation is in that relationship going in, you should be getting that before you get married. If you're not getting those expectations met uh, willingly and, 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 and just part of the relationship before going in, and that lets you know either you need to do some more work, some counseling, or, you know, you got to figure out, are you willing to even try to compromise on some of your needs being not met? One of the common themes that we have heard across these conversations 
is the need to be better at communicating with one another. And so what are your thoughts around the challenges to being able to more effectively communicate and how that actually impacts relationships? Well, a, a, a sizable chunk of the, the, the male in our, males in our community have been raised by women. You know, I come from a single parent home, but my mom was kind of mature and dynamic. You know, rather than restrict my ability to discuss and, and, and communicate, she allowed me to express myself and, and, and have open dialogue about how I was feeling about things as a man or a young man growing up. So she just didn't choke it out. And unfortunately, a lot of times, boys grow up to be men watching how the adults around them respond to stimulus. So if the people around you growing up primarily were your aunties and your mom and, and grandmother, it was mater maternally driven mostly, like it is in a lot of families, and all you see is the, the snap and holler and scream. Well, you become a man who responds in kind to stimulus because you haven't been taught any other way to respond. So when you're going into those relationships, you know, she snap and do that. And you speak the same language she speaks, so you snap and do that. And then next thing you know, nobody's listening. And the communication is not very active and productive. So I think that's one avenue uh, how to be a man. And who taught you how to respond to stimulus as a man? If you didn't have a, 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 a good role model or male image or male concept to uh, you know, teach you how to you know, deal with these types of things and how to manage women or manage your, your interaction with women, you said like that. <laughs> but, you know, then you're going to have those kinds of problems. I think the best thing you can do uh, in a relationship is listen to her. Find out where she's coming from. She may not land that airplane real quick. It might take her about a half hour to tell you something that men can do in two minutes, but you got to listen and find out where she's coming from and start paying attention to the things around her and how she moves. And then you'll be able to have a better than average opportunity to resolve issues. Tim, there, there are a lot of older women in their late 40s and, uh, and above who I see a lot of single black women out here in that yep. age group, why do you think they're having so so much difficulty finding a mate and, and, and keeping a mate? Like I said before, they're having a challenge with it because typically the men they run into respond to stimulus the same way they do. So so you're saying that's the reason that... That's yeah, the men reason. typically want to go back and forth with them. I don't go back and forth with women. You know, women women do not respect petty men, period. You have men you work up all every little thing, they, there's no respect there for you. You're not gonna, she's not going to respect you at all. What? Question is why? Why do you think the women have a difficult time maintaining relationships, and why so many of them are single? They have, that, like I said, they, the men that they are selected from are petty. Oh, okay. Society tells you what your ideal mate should be, but one thing that I've noticed uh, when it comes to reference points, numbers, careers, and imagery presented on television, remember. Uh, they want the guy that wears the, the, the nice shoes, slacks, blah, 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 six figures. Well, they don't know that the plumber makes six figures. The pest control guy makes six figures. You know, so these are things that haven't been ingrained in them to understand. Uh, six figures can come in a myriad of locations, but you got to want it. You got to know, okay, it's not just limited to a guy going to office. The carpenter makes six figures. So it, it's a selection criteria. Most don't pay attention to. You know, most corporate women will actually do better with a blue collar man. 
but they don't know that. And they don't choose them as a mate. But he'd be better suited to, you know, deal, handle with the complexities of things coming her way. She thinks, if she may think that intellectually he cannot, you know, keep up with her and the whole nine yards. But that's where, you know, you play on your strength. You know, it, it may matter that now you have a man in your life that know how to use tools and work with his hands. And you do the intellectual side of the relationship and y'all balance each other out. Y'all not bumping heads in the same lane. So I, I think, you know, it's not like you dust it off an old can. It's just that he gets his money different from the way you get your money. And that might be a better fit for you versus a guy who works in an office like you. And that's a fallacy. Just because someone works with their hands, they can't be an intellectual. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm very active with my hands, but, you know, I'm a very intellectual fellow. Uh, as needed. Tim, why do you feel that eight out of the 10 divorces are initiated by women today? They, 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 how can I put it? You know, if you're assuming arguments that don't belong to you, that might play into it. Want to be free and control. They paint this picture of being super independent, uh, not realizing that, you know, now if you haven't had babies by the time you're 40, say, for instance, and you're moving forward, uh, you did all this work. You did your career, you did this, that, and the other, but now your family reunion is thin, the blood in the family is thin, you know, uh, you go to the family reunion, it's mostly maternally driven, it might be five males and 20 females at the family reunion, because, you know, men typically die faster than women. Uh, the ideal of, you know, you can, you know, procreate and then still be in an active, productive relationship is, is foreign to them. Because they're told to be professionals and told to be this and be that. As if, you know, being a, a mom or uh, uh, something like that is, is highly disrespectful, you know. But, I mean, I tell you, the traditional structure in our community has diminished greatly. Uh, right now, they haven't seen it yet, but I think we're going to start seeing uh, the counterpart to Mr. Earl. We're going to start seeing Mrs. Earl here pretty soon. And Mrs. Thrill is the one that might be on the boat holding a drink uh, with 30, 40 women, very few men, and most of the men are actually on the wait staff on that boat. And you hear the A hey, with the, the ankle twisting, dancing, drinking in, hey, like they're having a great time. But really, internally, they're miserable. You know, I, I, I venture to say that A hey, hits different when you got somebody dancing with you, you know, whispering sweet nothings in your ear. But unfortunately, people find out about that. Uh, way too late. You know, you're 55, 50, you have no more. You got all the money in the world. You got all the resources in the world. And if you have, if you don't have siblings, you really don't have nowhere to wheel your money to. Uh, if you do have siblings, now you're willing the money to the nieces and nephews. And then when someone was speaking over your casket, well, they came, saw, and left. They were good at their job. They came, saw, left. And if that's the legacy that they're seeking to leave, more power to them. It's their right in life to live it, you know, uh, and maybe that's satisfaction to them. Unfortunately, you know, it hasn't been put upon women to think about what type of legacy they're actually leaving behind. You know, men more along the line think of uh, once a maturity happens, we think about family legacy and, and, and generational type things or whatever. And I haven't heard very many women really speak to that. That, that issue or that that construct. Hey, well, that is great 
information and great points of view that you've shared with us, Tim. We really appreciate you coming in and giving us one thing and a whole lot to chew on on this episode four of our ongoing series on Black relationships. So now quick transition. And Scott, you've got our positive Black business experience of the week. Our positive Black experience for this week is uh, Dr. Rachel Angel. She launched this app, this app to set young people of color up for the career. She went to Howard University after graduating in high school. She got her degree in pharmacy. And then when she got a job in pharmacy, she, she realized that, wow, there aren't a lot of people here that look like me. So that's when she started, the, the, she developed, she came up with this idea to develop this app. This app is called Pero, P-E-E-R-R-O. And it's designed so that young people can use that app and it can guide them in the kind of career choices, what will be best for them. And also with that app, she reached out to some, a lot of companies who signed up to provide internships for these young kids who are using her app. So today we want to give kudos to Dr. Ray Fain. All right. So that is a great tool and we hope you check it out out there. Again, our thanks to Ken Smith for coming in and sharing his perspective on black relationships. And thanks again to all of you for joining us. Remember to join and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you want to share in long form with feedback, suggestions or questions, even show ideas, you can hit us up at the email, the talk at gmail.com. So that's a wrap for another episode. And as always, we appreciate your time and interest and know that we'll never take it or you for granted until the next time let's do better today because that's all we really have.